and welcome back episode number 58 of the new york pages podcast in partnership with inside the rink i'm your host jacob berkowitz and i'm alongside my co-host brett and luca and today we're going to be discussing today the rangers offensive woes Kawan's questionable strategies and more but first just want to let you guys know to go to inside the rink.com so that's espn to subscribe to espn plus to watch games and more and let's get to it and we're back luca brett how's it going great you know not not as not as good as it probably should be at this point um I hate to start off on a Debbie Downer note, but it's just how I'm feeling right now. Uh, you know, looking at this week, you know, bad loss in Montreal, obviously. Uh, a respectable win against a team like Columbus that you should, you know, win against. And then, you know, there's absolutely no shame in losing to the Boston Bruins uh, this year, especially. But something it just really underscores for me is that it's just this feeling that we're not as good. Very much like my Bills and against the Bengals right now, actually, where it's just like we're just not uh, good enough, actually, to really actually contend um, and it really makes me nervous about the construction of this team and where we're at. Um, I'm not saying that we couldn't make a run, but I just don't really feel like this team is actually really solidly built for extended, you know, cup contention windows. That's kind of where my head's at right now, starting off. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily uh, disagree with your with your thought process on that. I think it's a really good litmus test. Is that, that the word? Lit, litmus? Yeah. Lit. Yeah, measuring stick, whatever. Yeah, fuck it, measuring stick. Um, to where you're at, especially playing against, you know, one of the better teams, the best team in the NHL up to date right now. And they didn't play a terrible game against the Bruins. And obviously that's the last game that was most polarizing, really, because it is, you know, Boston, New York. So you're going to think about that one a little bit more and all that, but it's the interesting thing for me was that uh, you, and I, I think Brett kind of alluded to it. Uh, man, maybe not in your, your kind of your intro right there, but offensively, this team is not in that class. They're not in the same league really when it comes to the Bruins. Um, the Bruins have like three lines that can score at any point the Rangers are just so inconsistent offensively. Um, and it's not like it's, you know, a, at this point, it's not a, uh, what's the word? Impossible thing to fix. Cause that, no. I feel like you have a lot of good, I feel like you have a lot of good pieces in place. I just feel like if this team is going to make any run, they do need to add a few, um, a few key contributors up front. And I know a lot of people have been talking about, uh, I, I've seen, we've, I've seen a lot of like, you know, possible connections to six defensemen. Um, and I know that, you know, the six defensemen has been a lightning rod for the Rangers fan base for the past, like, I don't know, 15, 10 years, whatever for us to just, Oh my God, pick that off. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, to just kind of like rip on people. I'm, I'm watching we're, we're recording right now during the Dallas Niners game. Second half just started. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, here we go. Primetime TV right now. We've got a field goal kick coming from Brett Maher. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, you know, it's just I think there's a few key pieces away offensively. Um, you know, and I'm not saying to go get Vetrano, but we need, like, a spark plug like that. We need someone who could fucking snipe. Vetrano actually was a – very key cog in that lineup last year. Um, it, it, I, I really don't have an answer, you know, per se. Uh, 
but or like what players I would say go out and get. But I think you know they they definitely need to add a few. You know, I, I, I do have uh, I do have a couple answers that I think would help immediately, um, like immediately. And that would be if if uh, guys like Zabanajad, Kreider, and Panarin decided to score five on five, that would be amazing. He said our offense has been inconsistent this year, and I actually would disagree. I think it's been very consistent. It's been very consistent in that they don't score. Uh, and, and it's been a problem um, that's plagued us all year. And, and honestly, I mean, last year as well, five on five, you know, uh, and now that our power play one has just gone to absolute, you know, dog shit, it's like we we just suddenly don't have the ability to, to keep up. And, it, and it's something that makes me really concerned about, as if there isn't already enough reason to be concerned about Gallant, but him being, uh, you know, concerned about Crav on the second line and saying that, you know, they need to have, you know, that's why he moved easy up because he needed more defense and 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 whatnot. And, you know, we're right now we're we're eighth uh, for goals against in the league right now. And yet we're 20th for, uh, you know, goals for 60. So it's like, how does he look at this team and think team defense is really the issue and not scoring? It seems like he can't even diagnose the problem that we don't score enough goals. Berkey, I got a question or, uh, unless you want to jump on this. Sorry. No. Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, I, no, I know. I, I don't know if you had, the, had a thought right there. I, the thing that's really interesting to me is that, like, this power play is pretty much, I know, with the exception of Trocek, the power play has really been the same pretty much all of last year, right? And then, uh, you know, we you just replaced Strom and Trocek. And, like, the power play last year, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the power play last year was what? Top five in the league? It was really good. I could right. look it up, but yeah, and, it, was, it was really good. Yeah, it, I, I remember it was top five in the league for a long portion of, of the year. If it didn't finish top like sometimes ten, they went on I'd, be, droughts, I'd be shocked. But sometimes they went on droughts, yeah. but they, they figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a strong power play, yeah. Um, and I could be completely wrong, but uh, I find it really interesting that you really don't change anything on that first power play, and yet it's just gone completely stagnant. It's it's stale right now. And I think that what they need to do is they need to really not only uh, bump some, I guess, I don't want to call them JV power play players, but, you know, bump up the second unit players. Um, I think you got to, you got to give Heedle, uh, you got to, I think, get Trocek off of that unit and, and possibly bump in Heedle or Kako. Um I would, you know, I think Panarin at this point has proven to a certain extent that he is, um, what it would, I think you got to give him less to do, if that makes any sense. I feel like when he has the puck in space, he, he tries to do too much. He's trying to improv too much. And he's trying to just, he keeps the puck on a string and he tries to. You're talking to, about like 5-5, power play, everything. I'm 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 talking about everything, but I'm talking specifically power play. I, I think he does that with pretty much everything, but power play in particular. I think if you put him back like into the bumper spot where Trocek is right now, and you put Kako in his spot, I think that opens up more variations for the actual power play. Uh, I know I talked about getting Hedl in there, and that's not including Hedl, but you know, just hear me out. Um, that's at least one option. You know what I mean? I think that'll open up certain things that you don't currently have in there right now. And I think they, 
one of the reasons why they got kind of possibly figured out on the power play is because they would just keep doing the, you know, pass it to Zibanejad. But the, what, the Capitals have been doing this for, you know, almost 20 years with well, Ovechkin. And- but who's the threat on the other side, though? And it's the same thing with Tampa that's- with Stamkos. Who's the threat on the other side, right? With- and, that's, and that's the point. Yeah, right. exactly. No, it's, it's exactly it. That's why you want to have that left shot in Kaka. So, if, I'm sorry, I just wanted to interrupt just for a sec here. The problem the Rangers have with the power play is they don't have that one-timer on the left circle, right? Yeah. Um, so, and Agreed. the problem is, is it takes, you know, whoever's there a second, either what it's been on, a second to get it on their stick, the puck on their stick, and then shoot it. And that allows the goalie and everyone else to get set, Right. Um, my personal power play uh, positions and lineup, I, I know a lot of people will be very against this because it's like, no, Zabanajad, you got to keep him at the right circle. He has a massive shot, but it's not working anyway. What I would do is have Hedo on the left circle. So you have that one time in there. Panarin on that right circle. Zabanajad in the middle. Uh, then Kreider in uh, front of the net and Fox, you know, as the quarterback. So the reason why I wouldn't have Panarin in the bumper is because he needs space and time in order to create plays. And he's not that great at deflections. While Zibanejad has been known to be very, uh, pretty solid at deflections, right? Mm-hmm. And you and Zibanejad is able to quickly one-timer that, let's say um, Fox passes it to Hedo and Hedo quickly passes it to him, right? In the middle. Yeah. Um, and with that is you have two sides that you could shit off one-timers all day long. You have a, a person in the middle who you who you could either, if you're able to get a clean pass to him, he has a rocket of a shot and goalie's not stopping that from that close in. And you have a great net front presence in Kreider and you have Fox. So I, I think that's what, you know, they should try to do here. Again, I know Zibanej at the right circle. He's one of the best in the league at that, but it's not working. You know, at some point you got to change it. I think that you have to be able to adapt. So I think that like just having personnel and being able to be like, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like, you know, you can call different formations or whatever, you know what I mean? But like, hey, computer blue, computer blue, do it. And, and you know, they, they, they get into that set that you just talked about. But then, like, you know, that same personnel can be completely different. You know, they can, they can get, get into a completely different setup. I think that changing it up is the one thing you have to be able to do, and they're not able to do that right now, uh, whether they're just so stubborn. Well, um, the interesting part – Gawan has no, 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 it, but But even, well, even so – even with the even same so, personnel, you're, you're yeah. saying that they could well, – yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. They need to move around more, and they need to stop being – I mean, that that's a, the problem is it's stagnant, not just because of the personnel and not just because of the play they're running, but because they're literally stagnant on the ice. They're literally not moving. And so it's very easy for the team to, to, to take away the passing lanes and to take away the shots, and that's what we're stuck with. And if they moved around more, like you're suggesting, like you said, if, if, if Zibby did move out and move to the middle – that might make them worried about who who is in the top of the circle, and then they're leaving Zibby alone in the middle, or vice versa. Um, yeah, it's it just it's stagnant in a lot of ways, and it's not just personnel. They actually were working what? on that in practice. I don't know if it was yesterday, or, or when the last time they had practice was, but Vince, I think, mentioned they were on the power play starting to try to have Panarin and Spanish and move around a lot more, right? Let the defense, you know, second-guess everything. Yeah, that's what they need to One do. One of the one of the things that, you know, I'll never forget just because like, it was, it was so simple. Uh, when I was playing high school across, we, we had a pretty, pretty good team. We were, you know, top five in the state. And then we had a, a, 
our our defense was always really really good, and the offense was always talented. But like, why was our our man up terrible? Like always, just terrible. And so we had you know one of the kids who had actually gone on to play at a pretty good D one school come in and talk about it, and like kind of go through like a offensive. And I was on the man down, so I was just kind of standing there like listening to what he was telling them, and it made perfect sense everything he was saying. And, and obviously it's different in lacrosse because you're catching the ball with one hand, you're passing it with another, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's different than hockey. Um, but the one thing he would always say is like, don't transfer the ball to your off hand. So like you catch it with your right, pass your left or vice versa. Pa- catch with your strong hand, pass with your strong hand because you're going to be able to pass quicker. And the whole point of it is like a, like a man up or, you know, you're, you have the advantage. So continue to pass the puck or pass the ball as quickly as you can when you're, and then also off ball movement, off puck movement is so important because that keeps the eyes of the defense moving, keeps them guessing. And it, it stresses, it stresses you out and it makes more holes and it creates more passing lanes. And that's in every sport. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you have to be able to fucking move off ball. It's the same shit in every sport, basketball, hockey, lacrosse, whatever it is. Um, so I don't know. It's, I, oh, my, my favorite. it's one of those. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, my favorite thing when I was playing defense in hockey was when, uh, was when a forward would just park himself in front of the net and I was like, cool, I'm just going to park myself right in front of you too here. Exactly. And I would just bother catch, him the whole time. It was great. I'll, was, I'll catch my breath. I'll catch my breath while you yeah. do this. Yeah. I'll put my stick between your legs. So you feel like you're encumbered too. And I'll give it a little tap on the inside of your thigh. Just to let you know I'm here and I'll bother you. And I'll, I'll start talking in your ear and stuff like that. But if I had a guy that was swirling around and I had to, I had to decide, should, do I actually need to cover him for, for a pass or I need to worry about the puck carrier. Now my mind is, is not just focused on one player that I don't even have to think about because he's stationary. So I can just kind of put yeah. him in the back of my mind and then read the play but if now I have to worry about what he's doing and what everyone else is doing, now I'm, my brain's in two different places. Now it's way easier to expose me. And you're absolutely right. Off-puck movement is, is massive. It's not just moving to a new position and staying there. It is that movement off the puck. So hopefully the drills that they, that, that Berkey said that they were doing, uh, hopefully that they actually right. employ that because it's exactly what is needed right now in that power play. I mean, regarding also the goalie's perspective, when he's on the – when he you know there's a, a power play against him – if you don't have those one timers right, you can't get the puck off right away, and that allows the goalie to get set. Like when I when I play in my league, I, I know it's a way lower level, but like it, it's the same type of you know thing where uh, when they have a power play spread out, right? It's like the one, um, excuse me, the three one. It's where if the guy doesn't have the one timer, it's so much easier to just slide over, right, yeah. and just uh, be set because that split second allowed that opening on the side, either it's the blocker side, the glove side, right? And, you know, you also have to keep it moving, right? Because then the, then the goalie is able to focus on it much easier. And, and also it was kind of like Valley was mentioning on MSG Networks, like why do the Rangers make goalies look so damn good? Well, one, it has to be they don't have a lot of snipers. But it, it, it's also the thing of just the shot selection and not moving it quick enough, right? So it allows the goalie to get set. Um I mean, go, going back to, though, Panarin, uh, I know we were talking about him a bit. Just, I just want to ask you guys, like, not just power play 5v5. Obviously, his first year was amazing. I mean, he was a candidate for the heart. In my opinion, he really should have won the heart. Um, and, you know, as of right now, he hasn't been playing the best. I know, I think he's still somehow playing per game. But 
you know, he hasn't, he has been, been dominant 5v5. He hasn't even been really amazing on the power play. I, I, I don't know, like, what you guys think. Like, personally, for me, um, it has a lot to do with his line mates also, because if you remember when Strom was with us last year, I know we kind of talked about it in the chat a bit, but the way Strom worked is he kind of worked like Panarin, where he likes to play in that open ice, right? So those west, uh, east-west passes, you know, passes over like three guys. Now you could pull that off in the playoffs, but you really, you know, I'm sorry, you could really pull that off in the regular season, but you can in the playoffs. Um, he's not pulling it off right now, though. Right, but he's not pulling off right now. But like, think about it. But Trocheck isn't doing that. He's going to the more dirtier areas where you're not so open, right? He's looking for those yeah. deflections. He's looking for those rebounds. So Panarin can't really pass to him. And then Krasov, as much as we like to um, rant about Gallant not giving him time, he is just still a rookie trying to figure it out. So right now you have those two guys that are playing with Panarin. What is Panarin supposed to do? Like I, I know like his first year, he was playing with Strom and Jesper Fast. Now Jesper Fast isn't really a second line player, but what always worked with Panarin is if you have a checking a four checker and you have that guy that always stayed open for him, right? So you had that guy that Panarin was able to shoot um, to pass it to, right? And someone able to get the puck for Panarin, which is the four checker. Uh, but now it's Trocek, who's the center, is the four check and Krasov. I don't know what how you could identify his game. Is he a playmaker? Is he, you know, w- w- what is he? Uh, yeah, so- I mean, that, I mean, that's always been his thing as a playmaker. Even though he did, he used to have a good shot. Um, I believe it's still in there somewhere. But I mean, he's really lost confidence. Like, I think it's pretty plain to see, uh, just in his body language, also just in how he's playing, that he's lost confidence. Um, and, and, you know, people have retorted anytime I say anything bad about Panarin. People go, he's a point-per-game player. Point-per-game. You're going to complain about Panarin? He's a point-per-game player. Yeah, he's the second fucking highest-paid player in the league right now. If he wasn't a point-per-game player, I'd be calling for his fucking head. Point-per-game is not enough for Panarin. I'm sorry. I know that's, like, a crazy thing to say. But when you're literally the second highest paid player, I need more than that. But it it's also often... how he's hitting the points. It's it's like yeah, only those... on the power play, basically. right? But it, it but I'm saying is even if it's five v five, it's not because he was pure dominant, right? It was no. just either right place, right time, or somehow a lucky bounce went through. Like I'm I'm not saying he's not playing. He's playing terrible. He's still a no. He's not team. terrible. No, no, yeah, he's not terrible. He's not terrible. Right, but he's still not as advertised, right? Like he, he, no, it's it's this is I, I don't. Look, it's it's. I think he's. It's just the the problem is is that I think we saw what can we say that was prime Panera in his first year, right? Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Yeah. So so we we saw prime Panera in his first year, and yeah, he's still a point per game player, but it's different. It's not con- it's not taking over game Panera right now, even though he is a point per game. If that makes sense, no, it he's. He turns the puck over so much. And it's something that is just really alarming because um, I don't know. Because we saw the way it kind of didn't work in the playoffs. Um, And when you get into a situation with a player who starts to think about how their game translates, you know, it's almost very similar to like a hitter in baseball getting into like a postseason slump almost, you know what I mean? Cause like, let's face it. It's, it's very similar uh, style in, in hockey, how like the game shrinks, the boards get closer, everything gets, gets tighter in the playoffs. 
to how a strike zone in October gets smaller, you know, mm. um, or it can get wider. You know what I mean? Depending on who it is, and it's like logically it can mess with uh, batters. Um, I, I, the, that's the one concern I have about Panarin a little bit, in a sense that is it that he struggled last year in the playoffs and he notably talked about it and how he tried to like change some of the things that he was doing in the playoffs. And he came into this season, I believe, I believe it was on, I want to say it was on Vince's podcast where I heard him talk about uh, Panera and saying that he was just going to just commit to being himself and, you know, playing his game. And it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm just really curious if that is something that is a residual effect, uh, I don't know what's going on right now. Uh, it's just, it, it, he seems like he's slowing down a lot. Um, and it's, it's, it sucks. Cause like, yeah, you don't want to talk. I'm not talking shit about him cause he's still a point per game player, but he definitely is uh, a step back from what we've, we've been accustomed to in the past from him. I think that's the best way to say it. It is. It's a good way to say it. And and just to, to be absolutely clear, I, I absolutely love that guy. I do. Like I I adore him both as a personality and a, and a player. So when I when I talk bad about him and all, it, it it's not that I'm writing him off and saying he's trash now or anything else like that. It's it's not that because he's I agree. He's incredible. Um, and, and I, I, you know, some of it could be you know, he is at the age where players start regressing. You know that is that's just a fact uh, of, of of nature. Now he's not all the way there, and, it, and, it, and I, I think he's capable of playing much better than he is right now. But I, I think there is definitely a confidence issue with him. He doesn't look like he's as sure of himself, especially when it comes to shooting the puck. Well, you know, I, he it doesn't help with his line mates. Sorry, no, interrupt me. It doesn't help with his line mates. It doesn't help that Goodrow's on the line with him, who like. He's a defensive player, right? Panarin needs got players coming up with him on the rush, and Goodrow's there being more reliant for defense, right? So, like, what the hell are you doing there? And then Trocek's a guy who's more of a forechecker rather than a guy that gets open, right? Um, so, and that's what the kind of connection Panarin had with Strom. So he doesn't have that, and then now he has to focus on Kraftsov, who's still a rookie trying to figure it out. Yeah. Right? Like, if he had Heedle, though, I mean, I, I've been trying to say like, put Heedle with him. Oh, absolutely. Heedle for two C. I've been on that campaign for a while now. Heedle for two C. It, it doesn't. I mean, it makes it, it makes so much sense. I mean, it's perfect. Like he has that speed, right? And, and, and he's that guy that's very good at getting open. And then I, I mean, a good shot. You have a yeah, and he has a great shot. I, I don't know who you put on that right wing. Like the the problem I have is that if you're trying to get Panarin out of this, right, you can't have players that are trying to figure it out themselves on the line. I know, like, I've been kind of saying the opposite this whole year. I put Kraus off on the second line, but it's gotten to the point where you got bigger fish to fry and you got you got to get Panarin going some way. Um, I, I mean, I don't know who you put on that line. I know. I'd take with Krav, honestly. I mean, based off history, like, whenever Kako has been with him, it was really good. Like, I, I remember, who was the beat writer? Who retired? Rick, Rick Carpenel. Um, yeah, yeah, Carpenel. Yeah. Didn't he mm -hmm. say right before he retired that Panarin might not have been a fan of being with Capocacco on his line? I think he like just dropped that bomb in like one of his last. Did he? Oh, I, I don't remember him saying that. I mean, don't, I, don't... He, I it, it it sounds vaguely familiar, but it, huh. it might have not been him. I don't know. 
Right. But yeah, I, 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 did, I, do, I do remember hearing that from somewhere. Right. But it's like, you got to grow up like, you know, your line mates, if, if you're playing good with them, you, you got to play with them. And but that know, was also like two years ago. He retired at the beginning of last year. So like, you know what I mean? If that is the case, right. then that was like young, young Kako and not, you know, right. him becoming the player he is right now. Because Kako has been playing pretty damn well, right? Oh, no. I mean, he hasn't gotten the points, but has anyone really? No. Right. Right? Like, and, and I love how like Olafi somehow now become the scapegoat. This team has handled his development horrendously. And you got and everyone else is playing terrible offensively, and and you want to blame him? Like, come on, you know, it, it's I, I get he's a first overall player. It's frustrating, you know. You want to finally have that homegrown owned player that's elite. Uh, Kako's trying to get there. Lafayette's not there. Your seventh overall player, Cleus Anderson, was a mess. Uh, Kraftsoff's still trying to figure it out. I, I get it's frustrating, but like he, he he does not deserve to be the scapegoat. Like, sure, he has a lot more to give for himself. There is some blame on him, but it's a lot on the organization. Um, one thing though with Panarin is just whenever as he's at his best, is he just keeps on moving because the then the players have to second guess every single thing he's doing. Is he passing? Is he shooting? W- w- what is he doing? Uh, but when he stops at the blue line, right? When you know when they're like on a three on two, Panarin just stops right when he passes the blue line. He's like, okay, he's too far away to shoot. Um, he's waiting for a pass, so I'm just going to charge him, and that's the end of the play. Or just block the pass, and yeah, it's over. Uh, on man rush yeah. the other way. So I saw like, that vividly in my mind. Right, exactly. Like it happens so because I, I so did I. I mean, and <laughs> it was it's it's just like something that we've seen like maybe a what a few thousand times the past like three years right i mean if you've seen him with how he played in columbus i mean he he just somehow i, I i've never seen this from panarin but in columbus if you saw when he scored an overtime a game winner of the playoffs he like actually cut to the net i mean we've never seen that with panarin but like he, he's got to start you know he's got to start moving he's got to try to you know keep the defenseman guessing he can't just stay still they're just going to charge him they're just going to block the passes like I get it's been a problem with line mates but you know it's I don't I don't know what he's doing you know no I I I agree I I also think that and I don't know maybe this is a bad take but I feel like certain coaches uh could possibly encourage or see that and you know what I mean like and I, I don't know what it is um but you know maybe Certain coaches can – we see it in every sport. Oh, shit. Uh, certain coaches can bring out, you know, the best in certain players. You know what I mean? We, we see it all the time. I mean, like, clearly, like, let's switch to this. David Quinn, is he, like, the Norris Trophy, uh, like, whisperer? You know what I mean? Like, I know <laughs> we, I know, I know on this, I know on this podcast, no one wants to talk about it. But like right now, Eric Carlson's going to win the Norris if the, if it ended today. And I know Berkey just has blood pressure just shot through the fucking I, roof. I do. Yes, um, I do. But like, it's like, let's face it, David Quinn is the fucking Norris whisperer. You know what I mean? Like his, like you know, I know, I know he, he was a defenseman. Um, but still, it's just like to win the best fairly... defenseman award, you gotta be good at defense. I mean, how hard is that <laughs> Not... to understand? Actually, you don't. That's the real funny part it's of it. So that. stupid. It should be the best overall player who's um the best offensively and defensively. 
Like if it's the best defensive defenseman, uh, defensive defenseman, it's Lindholm. Best offensive defenseman, it's Eric Carlson. Or even goal. even even if it was cheating towards the offensive side of it, the defense should matter. Right. Exactly. Like it's not even like, if it's not equal. Even if it's still like 70 30. It's not, even play, it's not even like he's playing like okay defense. It's hot garbage. Okay, I didn't mean to just throw like bite off a grenade and throw it into the middle of the fire I mean, right there. You mentioned Eric Carlson. I did. What did you expect? But you get my point. Certain coaches seem to just be able to do that. And then maybe it's just complete freaking dumb luck that Quinn has coached two of the most offensively gifted or uh, offensive-minded gifted uh, defensemen in the past 20 years. It, it could just be dumb luck. You know what? Maybe when he gets fired from the Sharks and he goes somewhere else, we'll, we'll, we'll find out again. Or when they trade uh, Carlson. This is a question I have for you guys since we're on the topic. What do you think his trade value is, Carlson? And I know he's not even like a player on our team. He's not even a player we're even looking to acquire. But his contract is still – I'm going to pull him. up his contract right now. I wouldn't no, touch no, 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 I know you wouldn't. Um, I'm just no, saying, no, like, I just team. think it's interesting because, yeah. I wouldn't touch him. He has like, what, a $10, $11 million cap hit? And at any given moment, he could just fall off a cliff and that's it and you're screwed for years? No, 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 no. I don't 11, care 11, 11, 11, 5 until Holy 27. Shit. Yeah, no, thank you. The only reason why you're doing that is if you're Arizona, you want four. two like first round draft picks for him for, for that to get him off your or, like he's got he's got four more years with a cap hit of 11, 5. I don't see him tr- getting moved. I know the only reason, one of the reasons why I bring it up is because I. Well, well you know, one of the rumors was, yeah, you know, one of the rumors was is that the San Jose was. Willing get ready for this to retain fifteen percent. Wow, like that's really gonna help a team. It, I, I don't know what goes through GM's minds, but that's just beyond stupidity. Yeah, I mean, I don't see that getting the deal done. If you're gonna move him out, you're gonna have to go to the max fifty percent retained. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's a really interesting. Just kind of thing to, to watch because as the trade deadline kind of comes, uh, my brother's sitting right next to me. He just kind of threw out there. He's like, he'll probably – if he gets moved, he'll get moved in the summer uh, more, more than likely. Yeah, that's like a uh, – as, yeah, as, yeah, as, as opposed to like a, you know, a trade deadline deal. Um, well, speaking of San yeah. Jose players, there was a rumor this week regarding – Your boy. Fimo, re- regarding your, fuck, your, your fucking boy. Well, no, my, my guy was uh, Tomas Hurdle. You're oh, confu- you're confusing, yeah, you're right. You're confusing, yeah, yeah. I'm, that that was. I'm, I'm I'm confusing my European player. Sorry, that yeah. No, nah, that was that was my cho- the chosen one from last year. Um, Timo Meyer. Yeah, you fucking loved you loved uh, Hurdle. He was perfect. Was. He was so freaking perfect. But um, I I don't know. Like I get like people. There's sometimes you know click, but I get like to get people interested and stuff. But how in the world? I, I just what scenario would Timo Meyer even make sense? Like everyone knows his qualifying offer this offseason is 10 million. And to get him is I mean, how do you how do you even how do you even make sense of that? That they'd be that the Rangers would be interested in? Like, is there any scenario that they could get him? I don't know, bro. How old think? is he? I'm looking at her. He's oh wow. He's I, pretty. Oh no! I, I read that wrong. He's 20, he's I thought 26. 
I thought it said 1986. I was like, fuck, he's pretty old. Damn, he's old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for hockey players, I'm like, shit. I'm like, what? No, it's 96. I can't read. Um, yeah, it's uh, I mean, I don't really know his oh, games, actually, but I really he's really good. I mean, oh, oh yeah, he's good. I've heard. You know, and I was talking. Somebody was asking me about this uh, uh, on Twitter, and and you know, part of me is still just I'm still so bitter about the Bushnevich trade because you look at their stats, they're almost identical. Like uh, mm. uh, Timo Meyer has 330, sorry, has 311 points in 441 games. Uh, Bushnevich has 309 in 412. So actually, Bushnevich is outpacing him just a little bit uh, points per game wise. Um, the thing is, he's more expensive. I think his qualify his qualifying offer is like something close to ten million. I think ten million, yeah, uh, yeah, ten million. So he's too expensive for us. I don't know how we would possibly ever be able to afford him. And then the idea of what we would actually have to give up to get him, just to get Pavel Bushnevich back. And there's just like to me, it's like, and I know it's like a gambler's fallacy or like a sunken cost fallacy or something. Where I'm just like, I don't even want to entertain it because it's just, it's 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 such a close analog to Bucinevich that I that I'm like, I can't believe that two years fucking later we're now gonna have to give up like first round draft picks and primo prospects and a bunch of them in order to be able to get back the mistake that we fucking made. But outside of that, for a, rent, for, for a rental. Well, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's yeah, absolutely- an RFA. If you think if you think that we should get Timo Meyer as a rental, then you're just you're just fucked in the head, and there's no redeeming any bit of no. But th- this is my point. Then, like not you, what, I'm not royal. No, 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 no I know, <laughs> no, I know, no. But but my point is, is that if his qualifying offer is ten mil, um, right? That's what you just said. Yeah. Um, what would his contract come in at? I mean, he's not going to get ten mil. I mean, I, you know, looking at his stats. <laughs> He's not putting up McDavid S numbers. He's putting up great numbers, but like his his contract will probably come in around what, like seven, if he signs a long term deal. Seven? If he signs no, a bridge deal, like eight point five. I think yeah, I was going to say yeah, eight to nine. I think probably eight point five. Probably is this. Then there you go. But I yeah, mean, so we, Rangers we can't afford, afford it. That. The, the, the only the only way, and this is what I said to the guy who was asking me about like what would I give up for him, blah 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 was that the only way you could do that is if you're able to get rid of Truba. And there's no way that's happening. So this is all just fantasy. Not, not yet. Not, not not this year, for sure. No. And people's idea was, oh, let's trade for him now and then trade him in the offseason. You do realize that when in the – first of all, you're going to have to give a King's Ransom for him. And then second of all, in the offseason, every team knows you have to trade him. So you have zero leverage whatsoever. And yeah. you're going to get, like, nothing back. Yeah, pennies on the dollar. About that's, and back. that's exactly what happened with Bushnevich. Well, that was more of just no. Was they, they, sheer could, idiocy. they could have kept no, on no. To him. They could have kept no, on but they, 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 they could have, but they sold him when everything was just going to shit with the COVID. They, they, the, the league was like in this weird, like beginning of the fucking like you know cap ceiling um, or the hard cap, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was it was a very very weird time, and so like it's not the same thing as like you know everyone knowing you have to trade a player, but it was a, it was a similar circumstance. I'm not like making the same exact argument. It's a similar circumstance is what I'm saying. But if he if right, let's say you kept him right um, for that year, obviously he's got to be a UFA, and you traded him at the trade deadline, you're getting a lot lot more for him because the market then was really good. No, I, I trade, a trading a player. Prospect. 
trading a player at the deadline, you tend to you do tend to get more back. Um, right, because teams are more desperate. Yeah. Holy shit. This turned into a good game here, guys. Um, well, yeah. So, I mean, going also along the lines, of, I mean, there was a, I saw on Twitter, um, I, I, I want to obviously give credit here, but I totally forget who said this. Uh, there were rumors spreading around that the Rangers were possibly interested in Logan Stanley. And I saw yeah. again on Twitter today that the Rangers are possibly interested in Nick Ritchie. Um, Yikes. I want to I gouge That's out my eyes say. thinking about Logan Stanley being on the team. I mean, what is the obsession with collecting? I mean, I, I get that he at one point he was a touted pick. What was he, like 18th pick overall, something like that, 17th, 18th, something like that? He was a high draft pick, but he's done absolutely nothing. His stats are just absolute trash, and, and I don't he's understand. He's the big body, though, big body defenseman. He must be good. Boy, they, I mean, this team does, loves nothing more than collecting big body defensemen that can't play and and fourth-line fringe NHL, AHL uh, forwards. It, it's 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 like a it's a fetish for this organization. I, I mean, with Nick Ritchie, he does nothing besides just hit, I, and that's it. He's a hard. He's a, he's hey. He's a, he, you know what he is. He's that hard nosed, hard working player that coaches just love. Oh man, and, yeah. and fans and fans are just like, yeah, I don't see it. Now, now Richie offensively is like is 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 decent for his for 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 the record. I mean, he, his expected uh, GAR is actually pretty good. GAR is Ooh, Richie. Yeah, Richie. Yeah, it's his his offensive. Set, they're not amazing, but oh, they're not. I, I, which one are you looking at? Because. I was looking at, you know how they value uh, players, what their actual contract should look like and all that? I think it was down from the athletic. But I also looked on Evolved uh, Hockey and all that. I, yeah. I, I I was looking, it was like hot garbage, but. No, his his, his offensive, his percentile rank is, his, his percentile rank is, uh, is 57 for offense. His defense for this year is six. <laughs> I mean, you, you want guys in your bottom six to be able to be reliable defensively, right? So yeah. like, and yep. so that means like you're playing you to put him in the top six. Hey, when uh, he was with Boston, he was he was he was a. a yeah, that's the problem too. He's he's, he's, been play, he's he's been playing with garbage. He's been playing an Arizona garbage team now. So I mean, when he was with Boston, his 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 GR, GR and XGR was really actually pretty damn good. He was a. 70th percentile overall um when he was with boston so i mean he's not a total trash player um he can play effective hockey i think if we're talking about him versus a lot of other fourth line guys he might have an edge um but is he somebody that would here's the thing that was all in the vacuum of i have no idea what his contract is what what do you know how much he's getting paid um, if there's any real money, he's not worth it. But if he's like an if he's like league minimum sort of guy, I think I, I, I think for sure he's a UFA. Uh, second here, I'll look at the. Uh, also, I want to look at Logan Stanley's. Um, yeah, Logan oh, Stanley. Two point five million. Ouch. Yeah. No, thank you. Never mind. Oh no. Wait, he's a UFA, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't matter. That's yeah. No, no. sure, it doesn't really matter. No. What 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 this team needs is a top six forward. A bottom six forward and to solidify that third pair, I think is the fair assessment. Um, I, mean, I would agree. Um, I think that we've it's it's just you know the, I think they they've tried to give Lafreniere every opportunity to kind of be that guy to instead of acquiring someone, you acquire someone from within. 
uh, and he hasn't really. Uh, oh my God! Rip his head off. Uh, he hasn't really quite stepped up quite like that. <laughs> Fred, are you watching the say, game as well? Uh, yeah, but I'm I'm delayed from you because I'm streaming not okay. on li- live TV. So you're, every 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 reaction you have, I'm like I'm like trying to spot it 30 seconds later to see exactly what it uh, what happened. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't say they've given him. Uh, I will I will I will nitpick with the phrase every opportunity. They've not given him every opportunity, but all right, they've given they've him given a, him, a, a they've decent given him more opportunities. Yeah, it, it, this year. Yeah. To uh, any any, um, he's honestly, his it, best with Panarin actually though. Yeah, it's just that his best is still really fucking underwhelming at this point. Um, and I'm not a laughy hater. I'm not a bus caller. I'm not anything like that. I, I I just I just struggle to see what him playing at a high level actually looks like. I just I just don't know because I've I've never really seen it. Right, like um, with Kako, like even so, though he wasn't great. You saw some flashes, right? Him being yep. able, how good he was at protecting the puck for so yep. long. Like at least you know, okay. Like I know he's good at something, right? It shows that spark. It shows maybe there is something yep. to him. Lafreniere has that one goal against Detroit last year, where, where I was like, oh my god, what was like, that? Holy cow! <laughs> and, and then that that was it. Like, but with Lafie, it's just like it's so stale. It's just, it's a mess. And then obviously. Well, let's go back to this for a second. Let's go to back to current events here. How, how are you guys thinking of these current lines? Because um, if oh, that Goudreau lines the second line, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna vomit here. That's I, what is with this obsession of putting Goudreau in the top six? It's it makes no sense whatsoever. He's a bottom six forward. He's good at it. He's really good at being a bottom six forward. He shuts down the opposition. He once in a while, when he plays that simple hockey against lower opponents, he gets plays really good. But when he's in the top six, he, he just doesn't have the skill, the offensive smarts, and he has the stone hands. Like he, he can't keep up with these players. Like it's just, I, it is so damn frustrating with Gallant when he does this type of stuff. I, I'm just trying to look over the lines here right now. Exactly. I mean, look, I'll, 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 I'll be the first to admit, uh, I. A, I don't necessarily love seeing him on the third line. I don't mind seeing him on the third line. Um, I think the team is optimal when he's able to play on the fourth line because um, that means you're you're just so deep and like you you have a very long lineup, in my opinion. Um, and one of the, I, I think it, it it kind of alludes to what we were just talking about, like, I don't know, maybe like 35 seconds before you, you kind of switch to this. Yeah. They, they, they need a top six forward. And I think that if, if we had that top six forward, then Goudreau wouldn't be there. And I, I, they, they, they clearly don't believe they have that right now in the current roster or else they wouldn't be but then doing at least what give Kraus off a chance. At least give Kraus on. Chance. I, 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 Right. I agree. I'm just saying, like this, they don't believe that he's ready yet. Is, is my is the only interpretation I can make from that. You know what I mean? Right. That's the only thing I can interpret from that. But it's like I mean, it's also not only that you're affecting it where Goudreau's now not an effective player, right? But you're also kind of screwing up Panarin because how he plays, he's obviously more, uh, ten times more offensive. He's barely in the defense, so like it, it screws up. He doesn't have anyone to go with him off uh, off the rush offensively. And Goudreau's obviously more reliant, so he's looking for the place. Okay, in my turnover now, I, I might, I probably should be more cautious about what I do. Panarin needs those guys who, like, risk, but like, are good at it. 
Um, and I mean, I, I'm just trying to, I, I see Vince's tweet here. Sometimes it, it kind of gets confusing here. Uh, how it says is, is Panarin, Spanajek, Kreider. And then the second line is VC, Trocek, Goudreau. Again, sometimes though that second line and third line kind of get mixed up where it's really the second, that third line is really the second line. It's just how they're doing it. I don't think so, though. I mean, how do you not put the kid line on the second line? Because that's not how. Because 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 Gallant Gallant doesn't trust the kids. I mean, it, it would be, even if even if Vince had had written it as, oh yeah, Heedle's the two C, the kid lines the second line. I wouldn't believe it for a second because the moment anything happens in the game at all, Gallant throws the kids to the to the curb and puts his his trusty little veterans like VC and Goodrow and and whoever else he has in his in the mix to to, to push them into the top six. He he consistently does that, and it's also it's very clear that. Vets don't get punished, but the kids do get punished. So I, I wouldn't believe it for a second. That kid line is absolutely the third line. And if and if it, it if it does happen, it's lasting for a period, and that's it. Absolutely right. Like it's gotten so bad with Gallant that like Vince, like obviously everyone, everyone says, why aren't you asking them these tough questions to the players with coach? Like they got to build a relationship with them. Like or they're, they're going to get kicked out, right? Like they're not going to allow them in the locker room. They they need to play ball with them, right? But it's gone. So there, there, there is a certain there is a certain level of, you know, I, I don't know what the word is, uh, but you're, uh, you said it. It's, yeah. Decorum is the best word. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they, there is a certain decorum that they have to follow. Like they can't just go in there and be like, you know, throw their nuts on the table and just be like, yo, why? Why didn't you fucking do this? You know, this isn't, you know, this is this is Madison Square Garden, like, you know, or the NHL. Like this isn't, you know. Uh, what like the California Penal League? Yeah, right, and I will so, say, and I want to defend Vince real quick. No, but that's I what know, I was going to say. Even Vince has been getting pissed off this year. Like he oh, yeah. said stuff on his podcast and is running like, "What is what? What is what is he doing?" Right? Yeah. Like he's not. I, I don't remember exactly what he said. I don't want to misquote someone, but it was, it was like along the lines of like, "What are you doing? Not putting Kako on the power play right when Kreider was at like Kako was starting to get going." You know, that's the moment to put him on. And I get with Lafay, um, you know, try to get his confidence up. I get that. But with Kako, like he was getting going. And just to add on to that, you know, put him on the power play. Uh, I, I, there was just so much questions around Galan. I mean. I think Glenn is, is definitely like he's lost the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's coming through even, like you said, in Vince's uh, uh, yeah, commentary and, and, and questions. Because. Sometimes, you know, if, if things are working and fans have questions about lineup decisions and whatnot, a reporter, especially when they have relationships with these people and they're at the practices and they're seeing the work that's being done, a lot of times they can go like, yeah, well, these fans, they just get antsy for anything that they think might work better. But these coaches have a lot of expertise. They know what they're doing. Uh, but there's been so many really inexcusable decisions, both from lineup to – I'll have to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind because I just remembered it. Why the fuck – does Gallant love putting the fourth line out for offensive zone faceoffs, especially even after repeated icings where the other team is like dragging ass and it's like, all right. It happened versus Boston, right? It happened Bergeron, versus Boston. Bergeron it was on game. the ice. Bergeron yes. was on the ice. He was like bending over in exhaustion. And you put. You know what we need, you know what we need out there? We, we need the we fourth need the line scrubs. And hey, he hey, does hey. that They're all physical. The time. Hey, they're physical. They've won. So that must mean they're good. Uh, they have that grit. 
you know. If they were in game, if these were in game situations where, where it was late in the third and we were up a goal and it was a defensive zone faceoff or whatever, I'm like, okay, I get why the fourth line is out here right now. Maybe that's the guys you yeah, trust makes to sense. down right now or whatever. But he does this in situations where we're, we're looking for offense, we're looking for goals, and it's just absolutely. Didn't he do it once on three on three overtime? Yes. He's done it so many times. It's 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 consistent. He does it all the time. In nearly every single game, there's an offensive zone faceoff, and I see the fourth line out there, and I'm like, why use any of the other first? I understand if 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 the you know first line's gas or the second line's gas. He was like, fine, put the fucking third line out there then. Like I don't care. You can't tell me that that's the best option. But he does that shit all the time, and it's just so ungodly infuriating. And and you know it's it's things like that that make me go. When people say, well, I still trust Galant, I'm like, well, you shouldn't. Because this isn't just about bitching about Laffy not getting opportunity or who's best on the power play or it's a you know strategy that type of stuff. That is hot it, garbage. It's just terrible. And and by his own admission, he seems to not take uh you know control over a lot of things and just lets people do what he thinks is you know what they think is best sort of thing. So I'm like, well, what what is your value? What do you even what are you bringing to the table? So yeah, I'm I'm glad that Vince is is getting and, and it's like the, when when Gohan came here to New York, people they were all asking him because you know there is. You know, bad blood with David Quinn regarding well, Laugh and Kako, you know, being, uh, you know, their development was horrendous. Like they're telling him, okay, how are you going to handle them? Right. And he's like, yeah, I don't think young players, how, how can they develop, you know, when they're in the fourth line or third line, right? They got to have that ice time. <laughs> and then he turns around a 180 and it just puts, I, how, I, I mean, like, I get there are some things like, where like okay they're they're professional at this so even though if you don't understand it like you got to trust in their system but like you like you have to think of yourself where no that that is a pretty dumb move to do right yeah. like there are some things you could say okay like i don't understand it but like you know he has that track worker the chat uh i'm sorry the track record like he, yeah. he he's you know that's his expertise so you know he's probably got something there that i don't understand but it's just these simple things like, no, it's not that. He, he's just an idiot. Yeah. Yep. There's no I mean, other explanation. There's no other more logical explanation for things like that than he's just not very good coach. And that's why he gets run out of town. Um, and that his success is uh, largely due to things that are really not even in his direct control. Because it doesn't seem like he even likes to take a lot of direct control. And it's so utterly frustrating to watch. But you know what? I'm I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be watching it for much longer. I mean, I think this year. No, I don't think he makes it past it. I I. Unless... It's actually really interesting. It's really interesting that this is where you guys went because that was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> unless if they make it to the Eastern Conference Final, he has another year to live. As a you know, job, I, I, but... I think, I think it, I think a lot of it has to do a if they make the playoffs, b what they do in the playoffs um, and how they look doing it. You know what I mean? Like there, there are so many different things that go into it, but like, like Andrew Burnett got fired after, you know, possibly winning coach of the year. That was so stupid. But he got fired also because they got swept. Right. Well, like he is a, he's, he is in his first year of coaching and he still managed to win the president's trophy. I understand that team at the time was, like a force to be reckoned with, but like give the guy one year to try to figure out to adjust to learn from his experience in the playoffs, right? Like I, I oh I, no, I I get it, I get it, but but then you also look in you know in in contrast, look at what the Lightning did 
after they won the President's Trophy and got swept in the playoffs. They did nothing. Yeah. They stood pat. They stood pat well, no, with, they, they with did everyone. Add, they did add to their third line to get a bit more. Like when, I'm, talk, I'm talking about their coaches. Oh, yeah. oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Because like – Yeah, no, no, no. no, no. I, I, yeah, obviously, they, they made some changes. They didn't make drastic changes to the point, though, where I'm saying like they, you know, well, like Florida did this couple. year. They're not winning. That. I know, so I'm talking about like player personnel. Like they're not. Tampa's not winning that first cup without that third line. No, I know. I I know that for you're 100 right. My point was is like they didn't do like drastic overhauls like the Panthers did. You know what I mean? So like, right. yeah, there's a fine line in like having a high standard, and then there's also a fine line just being realistic. And, and you know what I mean? Like where where that line is, I don't know. But that's why we're not GMs. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's well, very GMs interesting. Think we kind of forget, like we kind of forget, like the GM's perspective here. He is looking into the team's best interests, but he's also looking into what's the safest way for his job security. Right? That's why GMs I don't know. Don't I don't know about that. No, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily. I, I think each GM in each scenario is different. Well, with Drury, I, I think it I, is. It, it, it is different. Like, I mean, he's not going to play like that because we all know how he came into this job. It was because James Dolan was impatient, right? So he, we probably, common sense-wise, he is on the clock. So what does he care about risk, right? I mean. Let's let's call it what it is. Jury got the job because – this is my own personal thing. I think Jury got the job because – Say there, and this is, I, I have nothing to back this up. This is a fucking gut <laughs> feeling. Okay. So like, don't be like, this is zero facts on those. I love a good say there conspiracy theory. So hit, hit me with yeah. it. Yeah. I think say there likes or liked jury the most out of that regime. And he saw that jury was a going to be a GM somewhere else. Very, very shortly after this. And he didn't like the direction that, Gordon and Davidson were going in for whatever reason. And we, honestly, I'll back this up in a second, but I think that he and Sather said, like Sather kind of stepped in because Sather's still in the mix. And I think it was him and Dolan that made this decision together um, to kind of go ahead with Drury. Sather is what's uh, wrong with hockey. Like, the, he, well, he, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but like, I think that Drury might have a better eye for drafting talent than that other regime. Um, okay. So, so, so far, so far, it's a very small sample size. So I can't really, you know, I don't have a lot of ground to stand on. I agree with you um, on that so far. Yeah. Um, you know what they got, they had you know, that look good, like Sakura, um, Offman, um, Cooley. I'm sorry. The Brett McConnell something like whatever that kid is. I, I he has like yeah, two yeah, names. Some guys that look pretty good. Like Othman's obviously the top of the list. Um, Thank you. I, I think also like the one thing though, like I, I'm just trying to like I, I I thought about this. Like if you're James Jones, why have Glenn say there? Like he is so bad. But then I, I like I thought about it. What he brings, and it's crazy to say. So so just let me you know. He brings stability, right? Like he brings it where they're not going to win the cup because his philosophy is all wrong, but it's good enough where you're going to compete and which Dolan is, you know, it's there's more stability, more money making, et cetera, et cetera. 
Look, the fact that look, I have no problem with with Glenn Sather, mainly because of this. We don't have to talk about James Dolan that much. No, no, we don't. And it's and it's and it's because of Sather. Whatever, whatever Sather like and him like their weird relationship. I would love to be a fly on the wall for one of their conversations. Um, but like you know, he for some reason, uh, since he's kind of joined the organization, Sather has really let the Rangers be the Rangers. You know what I mean? Like for the past, I don't know, 30 right years, until- he's, he's <laughs> fucked with the Knicks. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right up until uh, the whole thing with, with, with uh, Wilson, with, with Davidson and, and, and uh, I already forgot the other GM's name, Gordon. Yeah. Everyone um, was freaking out. You know, Cause everyone's like, Oh no, he's going to do it to us. Like he does to the next. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe he did do that, but, they're still in decent shape right now. Um, but he's, he's fucked with the Knicks so much. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, it's just tough because it's, it's not the easiest situation. Um, obviously like they've, they've been decent, um, this year, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I like, obviously as this team is now, it's, they're not winning a cup. They need desperately, uh, additions. Like, you know, as we said at top six, forward and all that um it's just I, I don't know like all the other good teams like it's not that they just have great players it's that they have like really great communication chemistry how they work together and just the rangers are so fragile in that regard and what i mean is that it's so easy for their confidence to just fall apart like you see when the rangers are a very confident group they are so damn good like they pass it around, they keep on moving, they generate so many chances. The the opposing team it has no idea what to do. But it's just like one bad play or just something like that. And it, it's just a mess. Like, yes, I, I get the fact that they are a great, like last year they were a great comeback team, but just as they're like for them to be at their best, it's just such a fragile group regarding their confidence, right? Like one good play can cause like them to confidence to uh, rise their confidence. You know, they play much better, but then one bad play, they're just a mess. Like, I, I don't know yeah. if it's coaching staff. I don't know what it is, but you're not winning in the playoffs with that. That's just, you, you got to be very resilient. Well, it doesn't help uh, that I, half the team that is, um, that lives under a meritocracy where they make a mistake and they, they see reduced time or get benched or safe. Exactly. And then you have vets that are know that they can do absolutely anything and it's not really going to affect, you know, their day-to-day life on, on the ice. Uh, I I think that kind of division doesn't help the overall team chemistry. And, and I don't think it helps resiliency um, because it's not an all, it's not a one for all for one, all for one for all sort of situation then, you know, Right, like last year, there been... was, there was that like they did have that comeback energy. Yeah, but it was like I don't know, like it wasn't as a group together where they came back. It was always like they all those players had like that kind of that that clutch gene where each individual player stepped up at the right time more than the group collectively. If that makes sense, yeah. again, like it translated very well to the playoffs as we saw. Um, but it, it's just this year, it's just. It's just a, such a big mess. There's so many problems. 
And you got to wonder, is is even a trade, trade deadline acquisition good enough? Or is it a problem with the coaching staff? Is it a problem with the philosophy? Is it a problem with, you know, all those other th- uh, deeper, more foundational things that, like, you got to probably fix in the offseason? I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, let's say, theoretically speaking, somehow, some way, without, with, let's say they trade crafts off in this. Let's say you add Tarasenko, you add a solid top bottom six forward and you add a guy like the who played the good um as well as braun last year how far does this team go you want to know the real truth of it as i see it anyway <clears throat> this game is way more of a crapshoot than fans often like to admit to themselves um oh yeah games can be decided in such fluky non-talent related or even effort related ways that yes, over the course of a 82 game season, often the team that wins the you know the President's Trophy is the actual best team. Uh, but then you get to the playoffs, and people call it oh, it's the curse of the President's Cup. I'm like, mm, it's not really a curse. It's kind of happens in all sports when you go to a playoff system, anything can kind of happen. But especially with hockey, because of the nature of uh, vulcanized rubber on frozen ice going towards a basket. It's very easy, especially when teams, the parity in the league is so close. I mean, honestly, it's one of the closest leagues, I think, in terms of parity of talent between the top and the bottom teams. So, yes, I think you do those things. And then and here's the real key. Shesty plays like a god, like he's capable of. This team could win a cup. This team could win four cups. But yeah, if you're actually just taking the odds of that team compared to teams like Boston – no what chance. I'm saying is, is like what I'm saying is like those trade deadline acquisitions alone make you think they can compete, or it's just so bad foundational wise regarding the coaching decisions, the lineup, the confidence, the, the fragile confidence, all those things where it's just too much. Where even if you get trade deadline acquisitions, they can't do it, or you think maybe that actually no, no, kind of like a domino effect. No, because the team gets on a, a team gets on a heater. They start feeling good. They're in the playoffs. They're winning games. They win a series. They win a second series, and all of a sudden, everyone has dreams in their hearts and their eyes again. And they're all pitching in, doing every last thing, and and bounces are going their way. And they're playing. Their goalies playing out of that's their mind. That's what happened in Pittsburgh their first year, right? Like they got hot at the right time. Oh, that's what ha- that's what happened to us last year. <laughs> I was just going to say that I, I, is like what you're, what Brett's talking about is kind of what happened to the Rangers last year too. Yeah, Sorry, no, hundred percent. No, I, I was just talking about a team that won the cup. You know, like yes, Pittsburgh yes. got hot at the right time. Um, you got to go Larry, sixteen for twenty-eight. You know, that's Larry went that's... down. <laughs> Didn't we lose when the Rangers played them first? Didn't we lose to like an AHL goalie that first game? Last year against Pittsburgh? No, 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 no. Um, when they when they got when they won their first cup, was it 2016? Yeah, 2016. When we played them in game one, I think we played like an AHL backup goalie, and I'm like looking at the screen, like, what the hell is this team doing? I'm just trying to. Remember. It could be a, a goalie now that's in the NHL, but I remember then it was like Mark Andre Fleury was injured. Uh, Matt Wasn't Murray was in. Matt, no, no, Jerry didn't come until after. No, Murray. It was Murray, right? Murray. Murray came after that game. Murray came after that game. The first game they played like an AHL goalie. Really? And, yeah, I don't remember that. And it was just like, I don't know. I, I kept looking at my screen. I'm like, if we can't win like this, we're screwed. Although before that series, I kind of had the knack, even though I'm a Rangers fan. I'm like, damn, this Pittsburgh team's looking so good. 
their speed is, and, and their third line is Haglin, Benino, Kessel. My oh. good lord! It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, look that that that's the thing. It's like they, I have, I know a lot of people don't want to say this or admit it. I have faith in Drury's trade deadline acquisitions from last year <laughs> that he'll make good decisions again this year and add the right pieces because the players he added last year, a, yeah, didn't cost an arm and a leg. And he kept the cupboard pretty full. Um, you know, he, I think, did a really good job of focusing on, I don't want to say niche players, but that's kind of what Vetrano and Mott are. You know, they're not household names. They're not, you know, cornerstones. Yeah. And, and Connor as well. Journeyman, really, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think those two guys in particular um, – or those three guys really were just really, really, really solid, savvy uh, additions. And I think, that, yeah, no, they're, you're right. I, I just, I just look, I, you know, when it comes down to it, I, I trust, I trust his eye right now. Um, and uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to roll with it, man. The thing that I worry about is that I think a lot of the pieces that we're likely to give up to try and get somebody are, are pieces that I'd rather not give up. Like I don't mm. want to give up Kratzov. I want to see. I want to see that kid through. That kid has talent. He's getting better every fucking game. And I, the people that I hate agree. him, I do not. I do not understand the people <sighs> that, that still hate him and still think he's selfish. If you still, if you're still rooting against Kratzov at this point, you go fuck yourself. So hardcore. I fucking hate you with all my soul. Because that kid has done everything he's been has been asked for this year. He showed up early to camp and he's fucking put the effort in. And he started off rough this year and he fucking and he fucking took his lumps sitting on the fucking bench while shitty players played ahead of him. But he's come back and he's getting better visibly every game and he makes an impact. And I want to see more Look, of that. The one thing that we kind of lose sight of is the fact that he like he can make. He made so much more money playing over in Russia. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. As an eight, as a eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old, like he's not from this country. You know what I mean? Like he's. It, I don't know. Like it's. It's. I think it's not that hard of a decision for him to make. Be like, well, if I'm not playing in the NHL, why am I gonna play in this other league? And also, you're I not don't playing in the NHL. Much- so shitty people can play ahead of you too. That's the other part. Yeah, I don't like you're not good enough. So like you got to train hard and try to get better. Doesn't matter how good you get because crappy players are anyways going to play ahead of you. It's yep. just you know, like it's all this thing. Like if I'm Laffy, right? Remember when you got scratched and the whole team played bad that game versus Washington, and then you see other players that are worse than you do worse things and and then and not only do they not get punished but they actually get promoted you're like what the hell yeah. what are no, you supposed I, to do we we agree the reason why i'm bringing this up though is just because like i i can understand a human being's point in doing that uh what he did i don't agree with the way he went about it uh you know what i mean but i could see the i why he did what he did um well, but also as but, but but as but as, but at home but as brett said I think he's gone about this season a completely different way, and he's fucking been perfect. You know what I mean in that regard. Um, so if anyone really does still have a fucking issue with him, roll the fuck out, shut up. Yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. And and, and I just the only reason to I want to rehash that at all is just that 
I don't want to see him getting traded away for a rental to make a one and done playoff run and then watch him blossom and bloom and turn into a legit top six winger that we desperately need. And then it's just like, oh, okay, so that's what the Rangers do now. We're just going to keep pawning off wingers like they're absolutely nothing. And I, and I really feel like he's going to be a real top six NHL winger. I, I genuinely believe it. You don't think so? You know, that's I'll, the, I'll, but that's why I'll I don't want this. to get rid of him for a rental. I'll, I agree. I'll say this. I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. If it was going to happen, I feel it's like it would have happened last year. Oh, it oh, would have happened last year. But he actually no, you know, you, now, you, that he's, now that he's actually playing in the NHL, I think he has more value now than he did than he did last year. He does, but well, actually, he, like, they, like they, I said, like could they could they have even traded him last year because he was he was on yeah long, they could have but he was on they, they could have traded his rights traded his rights but yeah but then the team couldn't yeah. have, they wouldn't have been able to play him until and he's not worth it yeah he's not worth anything like but it's also the thing is does Kravtsov like let's say we believe he's good but he's going to be good in a year two years three years like does he fit the Rangers timetable. Yeah, I, I think good fair. players shouldn't. I, I mean, I, I one, I think, I think you make really good, talented players fit into whatever fucking timetable you want. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I get what you're saying, but like this team is in general very young, so I, I don't necessarily think this team has like a like a ticking like time. You know what I mean? Um, there you well, go, like the Cowboys, because like 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 the Cowboys, because the time is one forty seven and the season's over. Um, sorry. Uh, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but my point is that I think that with what jury did last year, he, he made all those moves for Vetrano, cop and, um, and Mott. Now he gave up draft capital for the majority of it. And the one player he gave up that I could remember, I believe there might've been another player. I could be wrong. Someone could correct me, but he gave up Morgan Barron, right? Yeah. Barron. Yep. That was it. Yeah, big deal. That was the only that was, and I mean, like, look, I'm not trying to shit on Morgan Barron, but that that was it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, I, for those three players and the impact they all had down the stretch in April, late May, April, and then into the playoffs. For that, for the capital that went out to get those guys, well, I, guess, I trust I guess... that he's. I trust that he's not going to give up crazy. Uh, invest, you know. Well, I trust is, he's not going to go insane. It is different this year because last year was just, okay, let's see where this team can go. Like there's not as much pressure, but now it's more of, okay, you made the Eastern conference finals. What are you going to do? It's a good next? point. What are you going to do good point. next? Yeah. What are you going to do next? And you have that pressure because from Joyce, he's got, he's got to get this team to compete, right? He just made the Eastern conference but, finals. Anything less of that's a disappointment, right? So you're going to have, you're to right. That. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll kind of finish with this. I think that if he wants to learn from himself, he can. He could very easily learn from himself and realize that the doesn't necessarily mean the sexy big blockbuster deal is going to be the one that kind of is what gets you over the hump. Now I know they didn't get over the hump last year, but those three deals really solidified that team into the playoffs. Yep, oh, 100%. Um, okay, last thing before we all go ahead. It's been a very, very long podcast episode, but the All-Star um, voting, just the NHL totally ignored, right? Right. I mean, like, it, it I, I, looked, like it. I looked at it, I'm like, I love an Aaron and all that, but we did, I, I don't think as a collective group we voted for him. Didn't, did Nietzsche not make it in? 
What do you mean? Marty Nietzsche's? Because I saw that at one point in the Twitter voting, he was like number one. Like the the, the the Hurricanes fans just had like had voted him more than anyone else on Twitter. And I was like, yeah. oh damn, no Nietzsche's Marty Nietzsche's Marty Nietzsche's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like you saw on Twitter, like everyone's trying to like you know say, to vote for this player, vote for this player. I never saw Panera once. I saw no. Andre Miller and I saw Adam Fox. Yeah, yeah, that's who I voted for. <laughs> right. But I also saw, like, just on the thing, like, I saw at one point there was a ranking, and it was, like, yeah, Nages, the Hurricanes fan, Nietzsche was, like, super high. He was number one. Like, he was crushing. Was it also Darlene very high up? Darlene was pretty high. as Yeah, Darlene was pretty high as well, uh, up as well. But, like, Nietzsche was, like, he, the, 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 I was, like, damn, these Hurricanes fans are, are fucking legit on Twitter because they just they, – he had more votes than everyone. I was, like, damn, he's going to make the – he's going to make the All-Star game. That's crazy. And then it comes out, I was, like, oh, no, he didn't. And Panera then? I was, like, this year? It doesn't make sense. They totally ignored it. They yeah, they one hundred percent ignored it. I agree. Yeah, that, I I think what what I think happened is like also is like there was a bunch of these people that mean like twenty accounts, and since with each account you could vote nine times online, yeah. you know, where like they chose like Libra Hayek, or they chose like one of these players, and then it's all like screw this, scrap it, and let's just choose our own. So Although I will say that the, the the NHL, I don't know if it was intentional, that interface was so slow to get through everyone that it really, unless oh, you had some yeah, sort of script was... running to to do it for you, I was like, man, there's no way I'm putting in a second ballot. This is, no. I'm going to vote my nine times on this one thing. Yeah, like, I'm not redoing they, this again. <laughs> they let you vote nine times. I'm like, yeah, I'm only voting once. Like, you know, with the NHL bracket challenge, like you make like 20 accounts, you do each uh, variation of like, each version of how it could play out. Like, yeah. you know, that is how I do. But, like, yeah, I know this stuff, it took, like, 20 minutes to do one because it was so slow. But, yeah. All right. I think we're going to end it off here. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you're obviously still listening at this point, in, I think we're in an hour and 20 minutes now. I uh, hope you enjoyed. And, uh, yeah. Yeah.